0: Hello, Marvelites, you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 481. I'm Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. Agent L Lorraine.
0: (laughs) Oh, you mean the Lorraine. I got Uh it. Very good. Lorraine, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages because we've both been so ding-dang busy with everything that's going on in the Marvel universe. What have you been up to? How about more um, things? Did you move?
0: Uh, we haven't moved moving? yet, but work is rolling on my house. The, the contractors are going in there. Today, after we finish recording, I got to go to the house and talk to our electrician because he's putting in line so I can have a dishwasher. Lorraine, nice. I haven't had a dishwasher ever in my life. Literally really? ever. City
1: life, that's why.
0: Well, even when we were growing up, we, I don't remember us having a dishwasher. We couldn't afford one. And now, I bought a dishwasher and I was so excited. And it's just sitting in the garage in the new house, waiting for it to get installed. Not that I can actually, we're, we're not living there yet, but they're doing that. And just like everything is is coming together. Our house was built in the 1920s, and it is so sturdy and like well-built. And so it, yeah, it,
1: everything's concrete, right? Oh my
0: god, it's brick and it's plaster and like all this really like nice material and it's really well done. But they have we have hardwood floors, like really beautiful hardwood floors that are original and they were covered by carpets. So I ripped up the carpets uh, over the last month and so this past weekend our flooring guy came in and he sanded them and it was just like It's like you take off this top layer of of gunk, and it's these beautiful floors. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. You
1: are living my HGTV fantasy right now. This is, I can't wait until we get our own house, because this is all that I want in life. It's just like to, to make a house a home. But we're not talking about houses.
0: No. Lorraine, what are we here to talk about?
1: We're talking about everything that's going on this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, television,
0: whatever. Yeah. And this week is a very special week because it's Marvel Studios One Division week. Yay. Yay.
1: Yay. Yay. I'm so excited for this. Everybody should be sure to check out the Marvel Studios One Division premiere event. It's going to be a live stream that's happening at noon Eastern time on Thursday, the 14th. And it's just going to be an awesome way for people to kick off the show, hearing from the cast, and there might be some other little surprises in there. I'm. I'm really excited. I've been helping out with this a bit and they have some really cool stuff planned. So, and don't worry if you're listening to this later, if you're listening to this on Friday, you can still go and watch it on marble.com or the Marvel YouTube channel. It'll still be up.
0: And one of the cool things that I was able to do, Lorraine, was get a bunch of our listeners to be a part of the live stream.
1: Yeah, me too, me too.
0: Which makes me really happy. I know, you know, little secret stuff getting some folks and like couldn't tell them what we were doing and they didn't know until like really. Started to happen, but just getting the messages from folks being like, you know, thank you, that was really cool, and just you know being really excited about it. So you know, you never know what being a listener and engaging with us for this week in Marvel will will we'll get you, which is really fun. Made me really happy.
1: Yeah, you know, the other thing that's happening on Friday is the actual launch of the <laughs> first Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus. Of course, that's that is Marvel Studios WandaVision. It's here. It's awesome. No spoilers. I'm just going to let you guys watch it over on Disney Plus. Oh, and keep an eye out for a special interview on Earth's Mightiest Show with the cast. Uh, there'll be some cool stuff there. We've already watched the first few episodes. Yeah, I don't,
0: we're we're ahead. Like, well, we are, I'll just say that we're ahead. You watched yeah. you watched the episode that we got available last night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh.
1: Yeah. Whew. Oh boy. It was. It's, you guys, it's real fun. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. And we'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and stay tuned for this week of Marvel for in the coming weeks, we will have some more Marvel Studios WandaVision content for everybody. Why are you getting psyched and hyped up about Marvel Studios WandaVision? You should also get hyped up for something that got me super excited this week, which is from Arcade 1UP, they just announced a new X-Men four-player cabinet. This is part of CES, which. I love CES time. It's in January and it's the Consumer Electronics Show. And it's just like all the new TVs, the dumb technology, the things that you'll never buy, drones that are shaped like hot dogs and, and you know, make drinks and all kinds of weird stuff. What? I just made that up, but I'm sure it exists.
1: What does a flying hot dog, what is yeah, the name of it? A flying hot
0: dog that serves you beverages think about it.
1: I'm I'm going to come up with a pun later. I'll let you know.
0: Okay. And so with CES, you know, you get all kinds of cool stuff. I'm looking for a new television soon, so I'm very excited about that. But then Arcade One Up, our partners there, they make these really cool stand-up arcade cabinets featuring classic games. They've done a number of Marvel ones. I have the Marvel Superheroes cabinet which has Punisher and it has the Marvel Superheroes and X-Men versus Street Fighter games in there. I'm tempted to buy this one because it features the 1992 x-men arcade game which is a a beloved favorite it's and this is a a four player version of the arcade cabinet so it's it's got four uh joysticks and and controller layouts you can play as cyclops wolverine colossus storm nightcrawler or dazzler it's super fun and you don't have to pump a million quarters into it which i did the last one of the last times i was in la there's a great uh, arcade bar and i spent a lot of money on the x-men arcade game there and got through like the first level And I was really bad at it. Three other really great things about this cabinet. It comes with uh, this thing called live Wi-Fi. So you can actually play multiplayer with other people who have their own cabinets, which is awesome. And then it it not only includes the X-Men game, but it includes one of my favorite Marvel arcade games, Captain America and the Avengers which is really gnarly. It's a lot of fun. I also spent a lot of money on that game recently, uh, last time I was in LA, as well as the Avengers in Operation Galactic Storm, which I don't think was ever actually released in the US, or it was a very like limited release. I've never actually played it. So I I really want to have this for my new house. I think I need it.
1: <laughs> Put in your bid. I still haven't come up with a pun for a flying hot dog, which is. <sighs> Honestly, a travesty on my part. I'll, I'll I'll keep thinking about it in the background.
0: <laughs> drone infighter.
1: The drone closest dog. I got was a drone dog. Yeah, drone dog. <laughs> All right. Oh, but there's other stuff coming up in Marvel Games. We mentioned last week that Jubilee is coming to Marvel Contest of Champions, but now we have heard that you can stack her fireworks to deal bigger damage over time, which is just a cool thing. Also, you should go check her out. She's so cute. She's, I, I just love her design. She's classic, classic Jubilee yeah. in her raincoat and little rubber gloves, per usual.
0: Giant glasses. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jubilee, always ready to do dishes. Yep. Uh, that's what I love about her.
0: I get it. I get it. I live that life.
1: Also, Ryan, I know you're going to be excited about this. Strife is also going to be joining the contest.
0: The best costume of the 1990s. Full metal, shiny chrome, spikes everywhere, massive helmet, and has my favorite like catchphrase, like angry yell, stab his eyes. Like That was the <laughs> thing that they wrote in the 90s when he was like really <laughs> angry. He's like, stab his eyes. It's great. I love it. I'm
1: gonna go out on a limb and say that's probably not in this game.
0: I uh, you know what? I'm gonna hope for it. The Marvel Contest of Champions folks, they they dig deep. I believe in them.
1: I love a good evil clone. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love Strife. Yep. Also coming to Marvel Puzzle Quest is yellow jacket, so look out for him being yellow in a jacket. <laughs>
0: that's it that's accurate 100% (laughs) Lorraine I saw a piece of news from our friends at Hasbro this week that I thought you'd be super excited about they announced a Marvel Legends six inch She-Hulk figure
1: (gasps) I love Shulky give it to me I have the whole little squirrel girl set where she's like on the Vespa with her little squirrel friends Mm -hmm. and it is one of my favorite possessions and I shall also take this She-Hulk figure please and thank you
0: yeah she comes with like alternate head and hands and She's in, like, her um, Savage She-Hulk sort of vibe from the beginning. Oh, the white onesie? But actually having pants on. They gave her pants. It's nice.
1: Now let her run free, man. (laughs) Let her her run (laughs) free like Beyonce in a concert. There you go. That's how I like my Shulky.
0: Oh, boy. All right, it is the time of the month where we find out about some new comics coming in several months' time. This happens uh, every month. This time, we are looking at April 2021. It's that time of the month. Previews. Ed Flo is here to preview. It's coming in April. Uh, and some of the new books and things that we're hyped about for April 2021. Uh, let's run them down because. It's going to be a good month. First up, I saw that Venom number 200 is on the way, which is the final chapter to Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman's big Venom run. Ryan is joined by a ton of great artists. It's a massive, like, probably three or four times the size of a normal comic. It is big, juicy Venom action.
1: Ooh, beefy Venom. We also have Black Panther number 25 coming from Tanahasi Coates, Daniel Acuna, and Brian Stelfries. Like, what a dream team there. And it's, it's kind of coming to the end of an era for Black Panther. Ta-Nehisi Coates is going to conclude his Wakandan epic. So this has been five years in the making. He's been to hell. He's expanded Wakanda. They've got an empire going into the stars. I mean, they've done quite a lot in this series, and I'm really excited for everyone to check it out. And it's also going to include an epilogue drawn by Brian Selfries, who is just my favorite Black Panther artist.
0: So good, i Daniel Cunha, I think, hasn't gotten enough praise for his work on the last couple years of Black Panther, uh, like the intergalactic Empire oh, stuff yeah. so freaking amazing it's really really good this is gonna once it's all finished like it's gonna be one of those seminal like this is one of the greatest runs of marvel comics history so don't miss that that's issue number 25. while that ends the marvels begins it's an ongoing series written by kurt Busick, and it's gonna be drawn by yildare Senyar. this one is cool i remember hearing kurt talk about this at one of the marvel comics retreats not long ago and it's kind of this this big sweeping story where you could meet any possible character in the Marvel universe any given time it's you know you you're going to have street level to the cosmic and pretty much anybody and introducing a lot of new characters will show up in this book. The first issue is going to have an an invasion from space, a picnic in Prospect Park, superhero sightseeing, the all-winner squad going back into the 1940s, which is cool. Reed Richards doing his military intelligence stuff, cosmic beings, and so much more. It's got Captain America, Spider-Man, Punisher, Human Torch, Storm, Black Cat, the Golden Age Vision, Arrow, Iron Man, Thor, and a bunch of new characters. I think this one is going to be really, really, it's a special comic, I think. If you've read Kurt's other work, you know, whether it's uh, Marvel's, Mm. the, you know, the seminal work or the stuff that he's done outside of Marvel, particularly Astro City, which is Mm. like one of the high watermarks of superhero comics that's outside of Marvel. This is going to be a really, really great comic.
1: For sure. Also, I know this is very anticipated. Way of X by Cy Spearier and Bob Quinn. Uh, This is going to be a team led by Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. I love a little, a little... I'm here to eat
0: pretzels and bamf all around.
1: Yeah, it's me, I'm Catholic. Like, I just get, (laughs) he gets me because I'm also, you know, Eastern European and Catholic, so let's get into it. Um, (laughs) But uh, this is going to be a cool story. It's really looking at sort of Krakoa being uh, this new Eden for the X-Men, but there are dun-dun-dun serpents in the garden, so there's going to be some internal Krakoa struggle. Uh, He's going to have to assemble a team, which is going to include Dr. Nemesis, Pixie, and Blink, and they're going to have to kind of root out the sort of inner darkness of Krakoa. So that should be a really awesome story to check out in April. I can't believe we're talking about April.
0: (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Another book that we're super jazzed about is The Mighty Valkyries, number one. It's a five-issue limited series starting in April by Jason Aaron, Torin Grunbeck, and Mattia de Iulis, which Mattia is um, an incredible artist, has done some Jessica Jones work of the last couple years and some other uh, pieces that... Will knock your freaking socks off. This book is going to be gorgeous, and it, it features Jane Foster. She was the only Valkyrie left, but through the events of King and Black, things have changed. So now the Valkyries have to figure out what their role is and, and start anew and, and push forward. So we're going to work. We're going to see Jane, uh, some other Valkyries, and particularly the Valkyrie who was introduced in the Valkyrie book that is going on right now during King and Black. She seems somewhat familiar if you uh, are a fan of the MCU. It's really cool. Ooh.
1: Also, like, give me a utopia of beefy, strong women. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, Women of Marvel One Shot. (laughs) I'm really excited about this. I actually, many, not many months ago, but a few months ago, I was like, I I would love if we did a Women of Marvel one shot. And they were like, we're doing it. And I was like, I am so brilliant. Thank you and goodbye. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this is going to be awesome. There's just some real legends up in this piece. It has a a ton of great people on the book, including the absolutely legendary Louise Simonson, plus just a ton of other incredible ladies like Natasha Alterici, Sophie Campbell, Nadia Shamas. Tons of fabulous female artists like Joanna Estep, Skylar Partridge, Kai Zama, uh, Eleonora Carlini. I mean, there's so many wonderful ladies that are going to be on that book, and I'm really excited for everyone to check it out.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're going to be talking about anniversaries in 2021. And one of the anniversaries that, that just snuck up on me was Darkhawk. It's the 30th anniversary of Darkhawk. So we get a special uh, one shot with a couple stories in it called Darkhawk, Heart of the Hawk. And you get a an, like, an untold story from the early days of Darkhawk by uh, the character's creators, Danny Fingeroth and Mike Manley. D- fun fact, Danny Fingeroth goes to the same barbershop that I do uh, in Manhattan. How Hopefully about Hopefully they
1: don't cut your finger off.
0: Oh, wow. Mm. Anyway, uh, we got a story uh, by Dan Abnett and Andrea DeVito sort of focusing on Darkhawk's cosmic side. And then looking at the future with a story uh, by Kyle Higgins and some other creators. Kyle and I were actually talking about this uh, offline recently. He was very excited by it. So um, I'm jazzed for it. Kyle's great.
1: Um, speaking of Dan Abnett, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy number 13 is coming. It's going to be by Al Ewing and Juan Frigeri. Um, But it's going to have a bunch of uh, new stuff coming to the series in issue 13. So new headquarters, new costumes, new teammates, a new enemy. Uh, so it's going to be a whole a whole new shabazz, a great place to pick up Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, plus Wiccan and Hulkling fans, read it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it in the in the list of comics. I was like, oh, I got to put this in here. I know a lot of our listeners are uh, Wiccan and Hulkling fans, so get it. Um, all right, something that I didn't fully realize we were doing until I saw it in the solicits is Spider-Man, Spider's Shadow. It's a four-issue series by Chip Zdarsky and Pasquale Ferry. Uh, Pasquale, incredible artist, hasn't done a lot for Marvel in, in recent years, so I'm excited to see Pasquale back. Um, but the, basically, this is what if Peter Parker became Venom? Give me a what if, give me a cool concept, give me some amazing creators. I am one thousand percent on board. It's it's really really cool. So it's the idea is just you know Peter Parker had the alien suit nearly that nearly destroyed his life. But what if he never took it off and he ignored every warning, all the, the the problems that came with it, and he actually embraces the dark side of it, and then you get. Chip and Pasquale and uh, colorist Matt Hollingsworth to tell you about that. It's it's a dark tale. If you liked what Chip did with Spider-Man Life Story, you know, giving that sort of alternate take, I think you're going to get so much more of that.
1: Can I tell you an ultimate sadness that would take place if he actually became Venom? Yes. He never would have gone to the Fantastic Four and had them analyze the suit and take it off of him, right? That's when he initially gets the suit removed. And he would have never... Gone home wearing the Fantastic Four onesie pajamas and the bag over his head and become Bagman. I know. So Bagman would not exist if he didn't take off the symbiote.
0: See, there's a terrible possibility around every corner.
1: A true tragedy.
0: Truly tragic.
1: Uh, next up, we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 25, by Saladin Ahmed and Carmen Carnero. And I'm not going to get too into this, but let's just say clone saga.
0: <laughs>
1: we're not cloning around. Oh boy! But we're we're talking clone saga Miles style. So yeah. Miles
0: uh, for miles. Last one we wanted to point out is just uh, you know we've also been celebrating Man Thing, and in March we have Avengers Curse of the Man Thing. In April we have Spider Man Curse of the Man Thing. Can be written by Steve Orlando, who is just a ding dang delight, and you got you know uh, you've got Spider Man and Man Thing, the Lizard, all kinds of fun stuff going on in that.
1: Yeah, that's a whole bunch of comics coming in April. But of course, if you want to see all of the previews and everything coming out, go check out Marvel.com for even more on these gorgeous. Solicits.
0: Yeah. Lorraine, as we've been doing these past couple of weeks, we want to let folks know about what's going on in one of your other shows, which is Marvel's Declassified. We have episode four has gone out this week. It's the rise and fall and rise of Captain Marvel. So real quick, tell us what Marvel's Declassified is and give us a little insight into this episode.
1: So Marvel's Declassified is a new podcast on SiriusXM on the app and desktop player that is all about going into Marvel's once declassified stories and freeing the truth. Uh, So we're exploring some really interesting topics with my cohort, Evan Narciss. And this week, we are looking into the story, as you said, of Ms. Marvel, aka Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers, and how essentially her taking on the honorific Ms., was a huge embodiment of the women's movement and how Carol Danvers' story is really analogous to what was happening with feminism in the United States, as well as just like some spicy details about how her story came into being and how it evolved and why. So, and that follows all the way up until Ms. Marvel gets taken on by a new character, Kamala Khan. So it's really a full evolution of Ms. Marvel. From stem to stern, as they say.
0: Oh, ship. That sounds great. (laughs) Okay.
1: But I brought you a clip.
0: Oh, thank you. What's the clip?
1: I have a clip of Kelly Sue DeConnick, and she is talking about all of the legendary writers who came before her and the people who have shaped Carol Danvers' history, trying to be progressive and how that's translated through time.
0: I love Kelly Sue. I love hearing from her. Let's uh, hear that one.
1: There was this one line from the first issue of Captain Marvel that I really wanted to ask Kelly Sue about. It, it comes directly from a key moment in the book when Carol is powering up. There's actually this line that, um, that sticks in my head. <laughs> and it's sort of appropriate now, now that I'm thinking about it. Let's rewrite some history, shall we?
2: Yes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very deliberate We're going to revisit Carol's history, but we're going to do it in a way that gives her more agency. So we're going to do a lot of what Carol had done before. We're going to revisit a lot of the themes, but we're going to do it from a more contemporary perspective, honoring what came before, not wiping it out, but recontextualizing it a little bit.
1: I really appreciate the way that you have... A uh, sort of reverence for what has come before in context of today.
2: Well, you know, I mean, we stand on a lot of shoulders, you know. And when I look back on continuity and the way these characters have been written in the past, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, the, the Marvel Universe is the longest running continuous narrative in human history.
0: Can we pause here for a second to hear that sentence again?
2: The Marvel Universe is the longest-running continuous narrative in human history.
0: Man, I mean, that's just a really cool
3: idea. Let's get back to Kelly Sue.
2: I got to sew on that quilt. That is an honor and a privilege. I can't find a way to approach what came before with disdain and have that be in any way useful. So I can say, I think there are things we would do differently now. But in the case of, like, the portrayal of this character, people were really trying very hard to be progressive with her, to give her strength and independence. And it was kind of a new idea.
0: Lorraine, thank you for the clip. Thank you for doing the show. And of course, everybody, you can listen to Marvel's Declassified on the SiriusXM app and desktop player.
1: Yes, please check it out. Ryan, the interview for this week, I have to say, was one of the silliest, most fun interviews I have done in a while.
0: Yeah, who is it with?
1: So we have Joey Richter and Steve Zargoza, who are on the show, The Wayward Guide for the Untrained Eye. It's a multi-format series, so you can watch it on YouTube. But you can also listen to it in podcast form. It's a show within a show. Which is really, really cool. And I, I just haven't heard of anybody doing that. But also these are guys who you might recognize some of them from like the Harry Potter musical. They're comedians, they're internet people. Steve actually has a history as a nerd journalist as well. So they've got their street cred and they are they're just f- funny dudes. Oh. <laughs> just funny dudes to hang with.
0: Great. Let's uh hear that interview right now.
1: I'm here with Joey Richter.
3: Hello. Hi.
1: And Steve Zaragoza. Hey, Hi. guys.
3: Hi. Hello, hello. Hi.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys so much for joining us, because you guys are what I'm into, which is oh. of the internet world, oh. of the geek world. Oh. So I'm just excited to have my two new best friends. Oh. Yay. Thank you. To-
3: That's, Yay. That has honestly been the theme of this whole project, where on here talking about is, is new best friends. It's like people yes, being new best, best friends.
1: friends. If nothing we can take away from this podcast interview today, best friends are the best.
4: Oh yeah, best friends are the best friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see you there. <laughs> There's no better <laughs> friends than the best friends. <laughs>
1: Really and truly. Listen, so- I could do
4: an hour on Best Friends if that's what, you, if that's what we're going. Like,
1: you know what? Scrap everything about your show and Marvel. Let's just go with Best Friends. <laughs>
4: Who's so- your top five best friends?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, but for reals though, you guys have like some great nerd cred. You do tons of stuff about I don't know geek culture in general. But do you guys have a Marvel origin story? What What got you started in the Marvel world?
3: Man, my it's like I'm probably one of those. Basic bees, uh, that, <laughs> best friends. Basic
1: best friends. Basic the best, best friends.
3: Basic BFF. That I think have like really got on board with a lot of superhero stuff. Late nineties, early two thousands, with like some of the original movies, like the first X Men movie. But prior to that, it's like the nineties Marvel cartoons. You know, it's the it's yeah. the Spider Mans and the X Men's and and all those kind of cartoons, those were my gateway.
1: Steve, what got you into the Marvel world? You know, my older brother, he's only three years
4: older than me, so we had like a good BFF thing, you know, me and my brother. We were best friends. And we had this local comic book shop in Oxnard in California. And, uh, you know, he was the one that somehow, he must must have had friends in school or something because I was too young. That got him into comics, and then we would go to the comic book shop in Oxnard, and he would just be like, Here, you're gonna get the Spider-Man, I'm gonna get the X-Men, and then we're gonna like talk about it, and then we're gonna cross over, and then we're gonna like trade comics and so it started like in the nineties, I guess. Like the mm-hmm. early nineties, maybe maybe even late eighties for me. So I remember when X-Men the animated series like aired. Originally, mm-hmm. like I was, I was around for
3: that. I'm kind of an old man, so. But, oh, but I've been that's okay. I'm
1: also it. an old man, so. I'm with you. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful.
3: <laughs> but this is the beauty of it: is that all ages can be best friends. Is yes. I think what we're <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, that's so true.
1: That is the one thing that unites the many, many generations of humans: is best, best friends. friendship. Um, yeah.
3: Oh God, Steve, you you just talking about that too? Like, opened up a whole memory of mine because I like completely until now have not thought about like the comic shop that we we had a comic shop called nuclear comics I grew up in like orange county and it was Mm -hmm. and I and I remember it's like I used to go there for pokemon cards because that's where you got pokemon cards and then right from from, like being there for pokemon cards you're like what is all uh What's all this stuff here? What's all this (laughs) stuff? And I remember (laughs) it's like, you know, because it was South Orange County, so it's like a lot of like skater culture too. So it was like skateboards, Pokemon cards, and comic books.
1: I'm also from California, and I grew up in the 90s. I'm from Bakersfield, though, so I'm from-
4: Whoa, we're all like, uh, we were all circling each other.
1: Yeah. Do you have any like favorite Marvel characters when you were growing up or now?
3: Yeah, I mean, probably from- like I said, my gateway with the X Men movies. It's like you latch on to Wolverine right away. You go, "What a guy!" Mm. And it's funny how the movies, you know, took him and kind of put him as the centerpiece of the of that universe. When actuality, you're like, he he kind of operates as this like side character in many ways.
1: Oh yeah, I, he was introduced I think in like 1977 ish, mm-hmm. and didn't get a solo series to like 1985. So he's like. Definitely came in like twenty years later, but you know what? I I love movie Wolverine because he gets like an extra eight inches of height.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> and I, I you know and Wolverine the character appreciates that
3: I think. Yeah, Wolverine Thank the you.
1: character is a short king. Yeah, he's yeah, only five yeah. four. Well, that's <laughs> you know
3: that's one of the things I'm I'm you know it's I'm sure I'm not of like the minority of, of hardcore X-Men fans out there who are like, if like Marvel Studios brings in a new Wolverine, he better be short. And uh, <laughs> he's entering a universe with a lot of tall boys. So it's like, may, may, get a short <laughs> king in there.
1: Yeah, get a yeah. short king in there. Um, also, don't you just want to see that fastball special happen? You know, when, mm-hmm. when like Colossus or one of the big guys picks up Wolverine, just tosses him. With oh, yeah. Claws out? Like a
3: baseball, like <laughs> a baseball man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, Steve, who's your jam?
4: I I guess I was all over the place as a kid. Um, I remember my brother had these Marvel cards that were like, um, Mm -hmm. they were like collectible cards. And then there were some that were like holographic. And this was like the the 90s. You remember those?
1: That's real 90s.
4: (laughs) And I remember Spider-Man kind of always being my go-to guy. I guess it was because he seemed to be the youngest of kind of, like, all of the, the X-Men and all of the, like, mm. uh, the early days of... I mean, at least for me, like, I didn't venture out into the other ones. There we go, Joey's mm-hmm, got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Joey ha- literally has a Spider-Man book in praise. <laughs> this is
3: an old one. Uh, Excuse It's the, it's me. the DK Ultimate Guide uh, Oh, nice.
4: Uh, but I like the idea of, like, if you uh, leaned into science and if you were a good student... You could have the smarts to like make your own like kind of gear and then you could be like a vigilante. And I remember thinking that was really cool as a kid and just being like, well, who's the kid here? And for me, I guess it, I guess Peter Parker and Spider-Man was always kind of like a fun thing for me to kind of like. And then I always try would, would go to dark places, dark corners of my of my uh, garage and be like any <laughs> spiders, any radioactive spiders here want to <laughs> just like bite me?
1: don't don't do that. That's bad. that you will get hurt,
4: yeah. I realize that. I realized that later on.
1: Are there characters that you still follow or comics or movies or anything that you're still into?
4: Oh, yeah. i mean, i'm 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 all about the the MCU, yeah, um, big time. And yeah. uh, you know, I've been wanting to do like a big MCU like rewatch
1: now's the it, time
4: but I mean like where do you even start and if you're trying to go like chronologically then it's like I don't know where I would even start like would I start with like you know where, Captain, well, Captain Marvel Plus, or?
3: Disney Plus now has a feature that has organized them into chronological order oh man I know that's so on, convenient. I went on the other day and I was like I haven't, I haven't I gotta look and see if they've added any new ones and I was like oh wow that starts I think with I think Captain America's Captain America America. Yeah, yeah I think first of first, 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 first Avenger, Avenger. The first Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. and then I think it's and then I think it's Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. and then It goes Whoa, into, okay. Okay. Yeah, and then
1: it's pretty chronological But there's some, some yeah. dips back and forth
3: yeah, but I just don't know if that's the way
4: cuz like for me it's like I remember when Iron Man came out with Robert Downey jr. And thinking like oh man, they like nailed the comic to film kind of feel mm-hmm. and and uh i'm very hooked to this and the, and the casting was just so perfect yeah. so i'm just like do oh. i want to start back there where it all began with the with the you know the new explosion of the mcu or do i want to try this chronological watching you know we're we're spoiled
1: well i think it's up to if you want a nostalgia watch mm-hmm. and like relive your first experience of it or if you want to like Just try to be like, all right, what's the science of this sucker? Right,
3: right, right. Well, that's the beauty of it, is you can watch it like either how you, like you said, Lauren, how you enjoyed it, or like a comic book. Like, if you're watching it like, like, oh, these issues are supposed to be in this order. You know, I I remember when the actual Civil War comics were coming Mm -hmm. out, and you're like, we got stories from all different heroes that it's like how do these fit it? And, and that's how my brain goes is like I need to get, right. re- consume this in the way that the story intended and I think uh, that's why I'll always go back to like the chronological order and stuff
4: I kind of always remember, I remember thinking too, like, why are they always, fight? like, why are they fighting? I remember the the Civil War stuff from <laughs> back in the day, and I was like, why? Aren't they friends? They should be friends. They, they should be helping each friends. other.
1: If they would have just thought like friends instead of frenemies, this would not have been such an thank issue. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And then all of the bad policy that they pushed through, but that's a whole other yeah. <laughs> side <Yeah>. tangent. Well, <laughs> we can
4: learn a lot from, from the, the Civil War comics and films as well. Mm-hmm.
1: We truly can. We we truly can. Don't don't push through policy that hasn't been thought out, and then murder your friends. Yeah.
4: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think that's easy, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> rule set yeah, to <laughs> so easy.
1: <laughs> Joey, did you have a something that you still like to keep up with oh, from the Marvel? Universe? I mean, I
3: agree with Steve. I'm like a hundred percent into the MCU. It's like I'm like give here you go. Like I'm I'm with you all the way, and it's nice watching that whole endeavor and experiment like really pay off. I feel like, you know, someone had a, uh, a thing back in 20, I guess like the beginning of 2019 where I think they listened to like Slash Film Podcast that proposed a if you could either watch, you know, because it was last year was the end of like a lot of huge things where it was like, mm-hmm. could you either watch the end ga- Avengers Endgame, the series finale of Game of Thrones or, or Star Wars? Like if you had to choose one, what would you choose? And I was like, well, I would choose Endgame because I feel like they really brought it home in a way, yeah, that paid off all the work from years before. And that was that was very, like, a thrilling, fulfilling thing to watch. Like, yeah, you did it. You landed this impossible plane. Yeah, impossible. <laughs> like, in, totally impossible.
1: <laughs> Just, it's so crazy, though, because for, like, over a decade, they were working on all of these films, and they managed to keep a lot of the same creative staff yeah. through that entire endeavor. Oh, so it right, actually... Right. <laughs> Which is, like, unheard of in, like, a Hollywood setting to keep people on for, like, 10, 15 years on a single project. Right. So, not bad. Talk about
3: best friends, honestly.
1: (laughs) Right? Actually, speaking of best friends, why don't we talk a little bit about the, uh, the origin of the Tin Can Brothers and how that all came about? Well,
3: yeah, we, myself, Brian, and Corey, who are the other writer, producers, creators of the group, we all met back in college at the University of Michigan so we all went to school with each other and at school we were founding members of this theater company called Starkid that ended Mm -hmm. up doing a Harry Potter parody musical when we were in college and it was something that we thought would be a fun thing to do for friends and then went oh we'll put it on YouTube so we don't have to make DVDs and then it kind of like
1: and little did you know little did we know (laughs) it
3: like was gonna take on a whole new life and uh start a whole 10 year plus journey so yeah, we continued to work with the company. The company like moved out to Chicago and was based there and we were doing musicals, but then myself and Brian and Corey all, like Corey had just moved to Los Angeles from Chicago and there was no subsect of that community like out here doing anything. So we thought like, why don't we start our own kind of uh, offshoot of this and start making things. And I think with us, there was always the intention to be like, what new things can we try? Because we we also, the three of us, have like varying degrees of skill sets in terms of like filmmaking and writing and acting and producing. And so we we're like, let's just keep trying to build and make new things. And for the last six years, we, you know, we started making things on YouTube. We kind of did like weekly sketches for about two years. And then we did some live shows and then we wrote a parody spy 60s like cold war spy musical called spies of forever mm. that we perform live and then have just kind of continued to build after that until Where we are now with wayward guides. So yeah,
1: yeah You guys seem really really I mean obviously a very Potter musical clearly very influenced by pop culture sure, sure. but uh, What kinds of pop culture inspire you?
3: Well, we're very, like, genre-based. We like high-concept things and kind of finding our little spin on them. We, j- we did a show that was, like, a Scooby-Doo, uh, like, a mystery team gang, but it was all mm-hmm. after they were grown up and had, had disbanded because of, like, a tragedy that happened involving the dog. Um, so, oh. yeah, so it's all about them coming together, like, 20 years later and being, like... So we have to do this. So we have to, like, find out, we have to find the killer of Klubert, who was the dog. (laughs) That is Klubert. (laughs) So, yeah, so we enjoy kind of um, taking a good entry point, you know, that that people can easily be like, oh, Scooby-Doo, or like, oh, James Bond, or oh, uh, you know, comic book culture, and figuring out, like, what our way into it does, and how that kind of works for us and just surrounding ourselves with a team including cast who can elevate whatever we're doing tenfold which is like part of the reason why we've been so stoked to have steve on the project recently
1: yeah yeah steve you know i know that you're no newbie to to nerd culture either you've done like a ton of stuff and done cons and what what was your experience like before coming on with being in the in the fan culture
4: I guess I've just always been kind of like a nerdy kid, and I never felt like I fully fit in. And so I've always leaned into nerddom as kind of like an escapism and uh, a place where I felt like I truly belonged, where I wanted to learn about mutants and robots <laughs> and and magic and all sorts of cool things like that. And uh, I guess it's always been in my DNA. And so whenever I Get locked into some kind of project like SourceFed way back in the day. They were like, Oh, so we have like a resident nerdy guy. We should start a, a nerd offshoot of SourceFed called SourceFed Nerd and have like nerds run that channel and have them go to cons and events and uh, interview people and have a good time. And so I did that for years and, uh, I leaned so deeply into that nerddom and it's always suited me well. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I can't stay away from it. And so it's because of those things though, that the tin can brothers found this little boy, this, oh, this shining yeah. bearded boy. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and they took a, a keen interest in my, uh, my nerdy wacky abilities. And, they were like, hey, this guy would be a good match with our, you know,
3: he could be a new BFF. Oh, a total BFF, <laughs> oh. which brings us back to how we're all best friends now. Yes. I just
1: love it because because you're in my my geek host brethren. Yeah. You're, you're in my club, I love it. Um, also loved Wayward Guide, i really enjoyed it. I got to watch the first few episodes that Ooh. are out now. Yes. Um, for anybody who hasn't watched it, what is Wayward Guide all about?
3: Um, Wayward Guide follows the adventures of twin podcasting duo, Artemis and Paul Shoehorn, who work for APN, which is a a fake company called the American Podcasting Network. And they get assigned to a story. They get their kind of dream job, which is the host of the show called Wayward Guide for the Untrained Eye that they're kind of in the story of the, the series are entering into the second season of. So they kind of land this hosting gig for the show, but through a story that they weren't intending to do. So they get sent to this small town of Connor Creek to investigate some, like, corruption that might be happening. And once they get there, they, you know, through a series of, like, tragedies that happen on the first day of them being there, realize that there might be more to this mystery and that uh, it involves some kind of, like, secret history of werewolves that are involved in this town.
1: Yes. Give, give me some werewolves, I I'm, know. I'm all in. I'm all in on, on all things uh, horror and spooky time. Same. Um, yes, so Steve you play Paul along with your twin sister, Artemis, yes. uh, I love Paul, uh, what, what's Paul's deal? What's Paul about?
4: <laughs> I think Paul is an ambitious and he loves his sister, he's in the shadow of his sister. In their career, I feel like because he's really digging this podcast thing they do and he's really excited about things and his sister is always kind of like there to calm him down and keep him professional. He's kind of like a firecracker and she has to just kind of keep him at bay and I think he's just got a lot of love and a lot of curiosity mm-hmm. and energy. Yeah, he follows his his
3: whimsy. Yes. We wanted to create a dynamic, too, especially when you're doing a real-world investigative journalist thing but adding the paranormal layer over it, that you got to have two people who one is resistant to that and one is like... We got to go in that super direction. down,
4: yeah. We're super down right away. It's like either we go to this spooky basement down here where there's like weird <laughs> noises, or we go to this safe pillow room. Exactly. And I think Paul wants to go to this spooky, spooky room, yeah.
3: Yeah, it just creates <laughs> yeah. for such fun stuff. And Steve, you are just like. You know, it's like you can only write something to an extent and then when you see an actor portray it, you go, oh, there are a million things that you are bringing to this that are just like not anything we could have ever thought of, but it's so naturally you and something that you are just chef's kiss at. That uh, That's (laughs) why you're one of my best friends.
1: Oh, best (laughs) friends. You guys, this is so nice. Wait, can I say... I was when I was watching this the first episode no spoilers sure. but a gentle spoiler something happened that is very dramatic
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Artemis is like get the tape and I was like oh my god I'm Artemis <laughs> it's the ambition
3: of knowing you know it's like you want something so bad and it's like where do you draw the line at a, at a certain point of going okay this going this direction will actually get me what I want and closer to what I'm actually hoping to achieve out of a situation and this is, you know, what's, what's right. And that's in many elements, like with combined the series and the podcast, we kind of wanted to touch on and explore those different ideas of like, what is the role of like a journalist in a situation? What is the, where's the line between them getting like too involved and them trying to stay and be outside observers. And that is directly inspired from podcasts we listened to prior to this, like S-Town that was the, mm-hmm. the one that came out of several years prior that was like a direct inspiration of like, wow, it's so fun to see how this guy gets involved in this other guy's life that he has nothing to do with prior.
1: Yeah, I was gonna, I was literally about to ask what what were some of the things that you listened to for, for inspiration?
3: Definitely Serial and S-Town, kind of those being mm-hmm. the, the the budding investigative journalist pieces, but honestly, especially in sound designing the podcast, because we kind of had a, you know, the creative side of the podcast fluctuates between being something that is directly supposed to be an investigative journalist podcast and something that's a little more radio play, since we're seeing a lot of mm-hmm. characters and scenes. So actually, the Wolverine Long Night podcast was one oh, cool. we listened to a ton uh, last year, me and, me and Brian, one of the other writers, were like, have you been listening to this podcast? It's so good. Because, you know, that is a very information-heavy podcast. It's a mystery. It involves a lot of, like, there are action and things mm-hmm. that, when I was listening to that podcast, was just so blown away by how detailed the environments are just in a soundscape. You know, when you're hearing mm-hmm. them, like, out in the woods and when they move inside and you go, it feels like we're in this room and you're not quite sure where the recording device is coming from, or where, Mm -hmm. how it- Yeah,
1: they used full directional sound.
3: Wow. So that was a huge inspiration for us to try and figure out, like, how do we make this sound kind of like this? Where you know that Artemis and Paul are holding a recorder, so we have that cheat on our end of being like, they are Mm. actually recording everything. But how do you create these environments, especially since we recorded this podcast solo? No one recorded together. During the entire podcast. So, everyone was recorded individually.
1: I never thought about the fact that you would actually have to tape those separately.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the huge challenge over the summer. And, you know, like recording the show itself back in 2017 was uh, a scheduling nightmare already because you have 30 (laughs) different cast members, so many locations in the show, and bringing different people on. And then with the podcast, it was like, oh, we got to do the same exact thing, but we don't have to get anyone actually together in a room. So
1: so Steve, what was that like for you to record something? I assume if you're taping video first, you, you're like on set recording it and then you have to like how do you even redo your performance?
4: Yeah, I mean it, it's it was difficult because you know we shot this thing three years ago, and I remember when when we were talking about the show initially way back when, you guys were like, okay, so it's going to be a show that you can watch, and then there's going to be a podcast that will be the podcast they're making in the show that, that, you know, we'll, will also connect things in the show and it'll just be this like serendipitous kind of like two pieces of content. And it was like, <laughs> well, when is that part going to happen? You think? <laughs> and I remember thinking like, all right, well, we'll get to it eventually. And then three years later, they like, were like, hey, hey I know, Joey's <laughs> like, I know it's a pandemic, <laughs> but we're going to record this podcast. And I remember thinking like, dude, I played this character like three years ago and now I'm supposed (laughs) to like jump into this recording booth and be like, hey, I'm Paul again. It was just so far apart from each other. But now that they're Mm. both out... Not fully, but the podcasts have been airing along with the series. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we just recorded the podcast stuff, but it really is such a fun, cohesive package. And it's it works so well. And you wouldn't know that three years ago we played these characters. And then three years later, we're recording the <laughs> podcast. You just wouldn't know. It's and just that's all... you guys. And that's totally on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot of things, but sure, we'll take some of the credit. I'll take the credit
1: you could the cast is so great and so funny and you have some like really great guest stars um can you can you tease any more guest stars coming to the series and who you've had so far that's that's been in it well
3: um, a big guest star that uh, I think is going to be premiering in the next episode that comes out is my dog Diane um, that's right she's, she's pretty huge um she's gonna be a great uh, little addition she plays the mayor of the town, which is actually a real uh, thing if you've been to Idlewild. Um, I
1: thought you were going to say the, the ghost of Kluber. Oh,
3: but... I mean, <laughs> uh, RIP. Um, but yeah, we. I think like starting, once you get to episode four, you've met everyone in the town. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for us, I know it's like when we were casting... Leslie, who is, you know, Artemis and Paul's boss, we always had this idea because we met Sean Aston way back in, God, 2012. Uh, the, the group Star Kid we worked with was doing a panel at Chicago Comic-Con, and one of the cast members, Dylan, who actually plays Desmond in this show, the bartender... It's There was always a joke of, like, he looks so much like Sean Astin. He, they just look like they could be brothers. And at the time, Sean was doing a panel next to them or, like, a signing next to them and was kind of like, who are these kids? What are they doing? And came and and because Dylan couldn't make it to this panel, Sean put on Dylan's costume and pretended to be Dylan on the panel and just hang out. Oh, my
4: God. And that's amazing. act like he was
3: Dylan. And since then, it's we've just kept in contact with him. I helped him, like, get a... Um, a Kickstarter together for like a political podcast he was doing several years ago, and we've gone to cons with him in like Germany um, for that we've gone for StarKid and he's been there for Lord of the Rings. And when this project came up, we were like, "Sean, would would you want to play this role?" And he was so down and so nice and came so prepared and just like down to have a fun time and and make stuff up and add his own spin to it and yeah it was it was amazing it was like a really really special experience
1: oh man that's so nice best friend yeah
3: bffs um, fast
1: oh you guys it's been such a just a delight getting to talk with you guys um i, I i'm just so happy to have you on my best friend crew now yes so, so, for life. that was the goal
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: Please tell everybody where you guys can catch up with you guys and all the cool stuff you're doing and of course watch the shows.
4: Well, you can follow me on the socials at Steve Zaragoza but forget about that stuff. The Wayward Guide for the Untrained Mm, Eye is on the Tin Can Brothers YouTube channel. Yes. And uh, you should watch
3: that every week as well as
4: listen to the podcast.
3: Yes, if you'd like to go to waywardguideshow.com that'll kind of take you to the landing page that'll link you to the YouTube channel which is just Tin Can Bros on YouTube and it'll also on waywardguideshow.com, it'll link you to subscribing to the podcast which you can on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And
1: there you have yeah. it. Um, one last question. Of course. If you were going to choose a Marvel character to be your best best friend and to do a podcast with, I'm tying it all together. Who would I'm going slow so you can think about it. Who
2: <laughs> would you
3: choose and are we talking about like what iteration of the character like however we imagine it or
1: however you want it i
3: think i've got it okay
1: okay let's hear it
4: i would do a podcast with mcu rocket raccoon that's good. It's spicy. Just me and Rocket, just like spice, just like talking, waxing intellectual about what's bothering us. You know, maybe like, you know, kids these days, what's with airline food.
3: Yeah. Something like that. Like a Mark that.
4: Marin kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh,
3: uh, so along those similar lines, I would do MCU Thor, and it would just be like yeah. talking about fun things that are in our world that he doesn't know about and just getting him so cuz <laughs> yeah. he would just be so jazzed about everything you introduced him you could call it call it thor out of water
1: Ooh. And it's just like Joey teaches Thor pop culture. Exactly. Yes. It's
3: just being like, have you heard of uh, hostess cupcakes? And he's like, What? And we'll just try those and it'll be Wait, fantastic.
4: Lorraine, that's a good name too. Joey teaches Thor pop culture. That's that's the name that's another good name for the Joey show. Joey teaches Thor pop culture. <laughs>
1: It's, it's Thor Out of Water, colon. <laughs> Joey teaches, yeah, the, Joey word teaches the word pop, pop culture. It's a very long title. <laughs> I love Apple it. hates it. Yeah, <laughs> You can only see the first two the words. true fans
3: know the full acronym, which is really long. I was going to say, what's the, the hashtag for that? Oh my God, is it a hashtag?
1: Oh my God, I can't, I can't
3: make an acronym. T-O-W, colon, J-T-T-S-A, right? Joey teaches Thor a, stuff can you about a sentence <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not but two years in uh, all the uh, all the fishies we'll call them like the hey fishies uh, thanks hey for fishies.
1: watching <laughs> uh, well uh, look, listen to, to those podcasts coming soon yeah. to a network near you Uh-oh. yes and, uh, <laughs> no, thank you guys so much thank and you, everybody Lorraine. go watch Wayward Guide for the untrained eye
3: yay
0: yay yay All right. Big thanks once again to Joey Richter and Steve Zargoza. You can check out their multi-format series Wayward Guide for the Untrained Eye on multiple formats. We're about to get into the community section. Before that, we want to let you know about our guest for next week, who is your co-host on Marvel's Declassified. Lorraine, it's Mr. Evan Narciss.
1: Yes, we are having Evan as our guest next week on the show. And we would love to know what topics would you like Marvel to declassify next? Uh, you can tweet us your answers using hashtag this week in Marvel. You can email them to TwinPodcast at marvel.com or email a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Marvel. And please tell us if it is, quote, OK to read so that we can read it on the show.
0: That would be helpful. All right, Lorraine, what do I want y'all to declassify for Marvel? I would love to have a silly episode where you declassify the reasoning behind the uh, Marvel swimsuit specials in the 1990s and how those came to be, because those are wild and beautiful. I actually just saw that uh, the original art for one of them, one of the pages, went mm-hmm. up on on auction recently, and it is a John Romita Jr. page of Nick Fury and Tony Stark in their no. little little bikini briefs, uh, hanging out, and it is it is a classic.
1: I gotta say that like, I one I am obsessed with those, and like, if we get a season two, who knows? Um, <laughs> but the swimsuit issues are some of my favorite. I remember digging those out of our sort of backlog of stuff and sending them to you during our flight to Comic-Con one year yeah. and you being like, I'm opening these swimsuit issues on the plane, <laughs> like a creep yep. <laughs> and just like proudly flying the free flag.
0: Yeah. So I found the link and it's on auction from heritage and it's only $600 right now. Like this is, this is doable. I mean, if I wasn't, in the middle of buying and paying for renovations on a house. But
1: will I, will this cause a that chest issue? Hair.
0: <laughs> What's that? I said, will this cause a divorce? I know.
1: That's the question. No, it wouldn't. But
0: Nick Fury is one hairy dude. I love it.
1: You know what I really appreciate is I do appreciate how much pencil work went into giving these dudes body hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is yeah. incredible.
0: And the, the ladies in the background just ogling them. Oh, it's so good. Terrific.
1: Let's get into some community. So the question of the week last week was, what are you hyped for in Marvel Studios' WandaVision? Because we're all WandaVision all the time. And what is our first one, Ryan?
0: Kawaii Prince at Colin J said that my hype level for WandaVision is equal to backflips off the roof of my house. Whoa. Colin, please. Do not do backflips off the roof of your house that does not seem safe. We do not condone that. But that is a pretty pretty enormous level of hype, so I like it.
1: Next up we have Marvel Man at Spidey Boy 3 who says, "My hype for WandaVision is off the charts because I am dying to see what they're going to do with Wanda's character and her powers because I'm super excited for everything that's going to happen in Phase 5."
0: Are we in Phase 5? Is this, this Phase 4? I like that Marvel man is jumping ahead to phase five. He's like, you know what? I get what's up for, with, with phase four. I'm interested in phase five.
1: I don't even know when phase five starts in no the idea. new lineup of films and TV shows and, and Disney Plus series. I mean, like there, I have a whole spreadsheet of everything that's coming, and it's like a full page. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It's a lot. Uh, we've got one in here from Miriam Barbarena at My Two Brown Eyes. Miriam says, "My hype level for Wandavision is Lucy Ricardo learning she gets to be in Ricky's show." #Hashtag I love Lucy. That is perfect, Miriam.
1: That is <laughs> no Lucy can't be in the show. Let me be on the show. One of the greatest bits of all time. So good. Next up, we have Devin Cohn at Dev Monster one WandaVision is releasing the same day as my little brother's birthday. I'm so hyped. I'm considering celebrating his birthday the next day. Dang. Dang. Devin? How little is he? He won't yeah. remember.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you you got to prioritize here, but please extend a very happy birthday to your little brother from us, Devin. January birthdays are good. Uh, happy birthday to that little guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up, we have our pal, Karis Pollard, at a Karis Pollard who said, What a daft question. High <laughs> level for WandaVision is so high. I need a cup of tea. <laughs>
0: you know who else probably needs a cup of tea? British Kitty in the City.
1: (gasps) Oi, it's me, British Kitty in the City, Mew Mew. I need a... Cup of tea.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. The Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon says, I read Steel Town Rockers. This is a book that I've talked about numerous times. And he says, I read it because it's in Pittsburgh. It was no Dazzler X song, but it wasn't bad. I'd watch it as a Disney Plus series, especially if you play actual rock music in it. I have some local names if you need it. I love Steel Town Rockers. It's such a weird, weird part of Marvel history. That's what you need to declassify. What you need to declassify, Lorraine, is how we did a book called Steel Town Rockers. Why haven't we resurrected it? And also getting into the behind the scenes of all the Marvel rock biographies of the nineteen nineties.
1: Kiss put their blood in a book.
0: They did. They did. I do allegedly not a, kiss. not a fan. Not a fan.
1: All right. Uh, We also had some other folks who also told us about their favorite D-list Marvel characters um, after our episode with Paul Shear. We have Fran O'Reilly at Shade09 who says, my new D-list favorite has to be the fellow I recently discovered following your recommendation to read West Coast Avengers. We know nothing other than he's trained in the medical field, but I'm now super intrigued to know more about Dr. Mole. Yes. man. If you have a bad mole, see a doctor.
0: Mm, mm, no, Dr. Mole's like a little mole guy. Just Kelly Thompson doing the Lord's work, creating <laughs> wonderful, weird characters. I'm glad you you enjoyed that book, Fran. Yes. Um, it's terrific. All right, we got an email in here from Forrest Pavel, who says, my favorite D-list Marvel character is the captain from Next Wave because, and he used the skull emojis to represent the curse words that were bleeped out in Next Wave. They use skull emojis there, because the captain constantly cursed, and he got his butt kicked by Captain America for, for swearing too much. So that's why Forrest likes the captain, which is yeah. a great pull.
1: You know, Ryan, there's one major thing we have not talked about yet that was this week in Marvel, that your birthday was on Wednesday, Ryan. Yes, Hey, it old was. man.
0: I'm 40 years old now. It's uh old man Panagosh.
1: Oh, you know what? You look great for an elderly man.:
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, I moisturize and I don't smoke, very rarely drink. I lift uh, 40 tons a day. you know. I do a lot. I lift I lift.:
1: I'm so glad you were born. Thank. Happy birthday. Thank you. Everyone, please go message Ryan until I'm happy birthday, or I will hunt you down.
0: Whoa. Uh, She ain't kidding, y'all. (laughs) Lorraine's got my back. But with that in mind, let's wrap up this week in Marvel. This episode was produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Percy Verlin, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos with the help from Megan Bagala.
1: Our audio development manager is Brad Barton.
0: And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio.
1: Special thanks to Westview, New Jersey, a timeless town and a perfect place to raise a family. Westview, it's like something right out of a television show. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.